You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get every Tuesday at patreon.com slash Thunderquack, just like our podcast producers of Brian Mirowski and JJ Samuel, or you can wait and get it late every Friday on podcast services across the galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Amanda Konkin. And I'm your other host, Ryan Karen. And as you can tell, because I'm doing the intro, Mike is not here today. And <laughs> I do apologize to everybody who knows this opening by heart if I did mess it up. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that's what it is. So uh, thank you for bearing with me during this uh, delightful uh, you know, Amanda and Ryan edition of the Thunderquack uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, it's so, always fun uh, to be your uh, alternate mic. I know. Well, I like being, I like the power that Mike bestows <laughs> on me to, to be able to do the intro, however poorly <laughs> I, I vice, pull it off. The vice host role. Right? Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, and and anyways, I'll see, uh, we'll, uh, let's, I'll try not to talk too much about the the differences of this of this thundercrack but it is it is cool to have you on the th- i don't know if you've been on the thundercrack podcast because you're on the thundercrack network uh, we've but had i don't know few, if you're on the thundercrack we've had a few conversations i'm not sure which banner we've had a few that i know we're patreon specific um a big yeah so i think the patreons rant. know who you are yeah which uh, is great. but yeah um i'm also the the co-host of the riverdale gang a uh, watch along critical commentary podcast um so yeah uh delighted to talk about other mainstream nerdery that is less constrained by the archie comics shenanigans that's great though i love it so much shenanigans good good i uh i only see it from afar and basically like what i absorb on social media but i don't know riverdale (laughs) does seem like a special sort like it's still going hey like are you guys is Mm -hmm. it getting picked up for another season Oh yeah, it's we're just... we're back with the second half of the fifth season in August, uh, middle oh, wow. of August. So that'll be that'll be neat. They just hiatus midway because that's what production's like right now. Oh right. For right. five months, six months, but um, yeah, it's trucking along and doing weird new creative things. Um, and simultaneously, um, it's doing that that thing camp. B grade camp gets to do that it jams a whole bunch of truth and really uncomfortable realities under all of the neon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I and and that's not. I mean, but in a good way, right? Like you're so you yeah, kind of yeah, are like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. there's some interesting stuff. Yeah, okay. like it's you can't take anything in the world too seriously, but because of that, there's a great deal of um, subject matter and messaging and real. Um, real contemporary issues and conversations that I think the the creative team, who I think are ultimately much better trained artists than um, 
than the product they're producing. Like they're producing a piece of entertainment that is um, that is following a, a very specific script and budget and genre style. Um, but I think uh, these are very the, the team behind it is actually quite clever and with a, a broad background in um, theater writing and um, uh, publishing. Um, and I think that comes out in some of the really weird things that they try and often fail horribly at. But often, <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you get you get like these sweet, intimate five minute monologues from random Archie character number seven about uh, queer childhood in Middle America. And it's just like, I know you plucked that from your masters. I'm sure of it. <laughs> But you got it on television now as a convenient plot of the week. So um, that kind of weird mismatch is what I love about Riverdale. There's so much um, beautiful, disjointed artistry and, and, and statement. It's like, it's like you take Sappho's poetry fragments and then you just slap them on a McDonald's menu. <laughs> There you go. It's it's apt. I I guess I really did. I think I've only really watched the one episode because I think I came on one episode of of Riverdale, and I think that that's really the only episode that I've watched in its entirety. So it's I, I may have watched. I may have watched. I may have watched the pilot. But I I mean I like that. <laughs> I, like exactly what you're saying. I think that there's a certain level of. And I mean if you if you uh people don't know the Ryan and Amanda dynamic, but I do feel like uh much like the uh, Amanda and Mike dynamic. We tend to talk about the not only the pop culture, but like what's underneath and the story and like the what it's talking about and like how it's contributing to the conversation. Um, so you know, not much different than a regular Thunderquack podcast. Um, but I, but the stuff that you're talking about in that kind of uh, being able to say something important, sort of wrapped in a candy coating, um, mm-hmm. if you will, is I mean exactly my kind of media because I really do like media that is is sort of light and and enjoyable but also mm-hmm. that says something and it's 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 i i find that people are starting to expect that right where it's like they they mm-hmm. don't just want fluffy things they want something that actually is going to make them think a little bit or they'll know like i mean because you know reality tv still exists if you just want something that you don't really have to think <laughs> about too much i think you you can go there's a genre for you there's a genre for everyone um but i uh i i, I don't know like especially these sort of teen driven or teen and like the ones that are like targeting teen audiences because i think that there's something about the next generation of of what is it gen gen z gen y gen whatever whatever the the, gen z that expects yeah they expect something more from their um from their people if you can hear things buzzing my sister's like trying to call (laughs) our whole family on on things Sort of I mean, <laughs> rightly so. Like we've we've done our job over the last fifteen years of aggressive agitation. If the kids coming next um, actually expect some decent representation and are willing to go to bat and throw money for it, um, I think that's a nice well, that's a nice benchmark. Well, no, I mean it is, and I think that I I because we I think we heard that a lot during the like when all the like um. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible that I can't remember like the the massive sort of school shooting, and then there was all the young the young kids that Parkland? came forward, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Parkland and then, and, and they're like, lives movement, yeah, yeah. And they're like, we expect more. We think that people should do more. And everybody was like, what are these young kids doing? And it's like, well, Gen Z got so disillusioned 
They saw all these like, you know, because the millennials now that are what we're in our early 30s sort of being like, well, this world isn't what I was expecting. (laughs) Like this Mm -hmm. seems like Uh, and then and so but we're still sort of clinging on to the hope that we were sold. And I think Mm -hmm. that it trickles down to Gen Z being like, well, that's not true. I'll never own a house. I'll always be in debt. I shouldn't go to school. Like, it's just sort of that they sort of see the world for what it is. Mm. And I hope that without, they become the without voices. Without broad stroking or, like, putting putting the duty oh, of, of fixing it all on them. Uh, or oh, no. treating treating the next generation as the messiah. Children will save us. Uh, no, they're just... They're just appropriately cynical, whereas we, exactly. we once had hope before it was shattered. Exactly. We have the sort of the rose colored glasses and we're kind of like, but we too could be Jeff Bezos instead of, and and it's like the, but it's the Gen Z's being like, no, we will never be Jeff Bezos. And also he should stop scooping his gold into space shuttles that he's going to shoot into the stuck sky and instead Mm -hmm. do something to fix this world. And so I just like, because I, I don't know, there is something that I think that millennials, again, not broad strokes, but I do think that there's a certain amount of, well, we could be whatever we wanted to be because that's what we were told. And yeah, I, we sure it, were told that. Maybe at some I, point parents stopped that messaging or got <laughs> tired of it or had heard it themselves and were seeing the faults. Right. Well, I feel like that might be part of it too, right? Is that there's this new generation that are being raised by another generation being like, mm, maybe just, you know, mm-hmm. have aspirations that you can achieve in your lifetime with, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you're not living in a totally um like a system that's built against you in really like discriminatory ways depending on where you live anyways well these are these are also um conversations that have long been happening we have cycle cyclic examples um of 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 changing generational conversations but we're having it all out in public loudly at the same time in front of each other with each other at each other right now in a way that because the internet exists yeah it's neat it's the information age um like arthur miller's death of a salesman is every bit the nihilism of that i that i love in seeing zoomers or early surrealist uh arts is very much a lot of the nihilism that i see uh in in and love in zoomers um buto dance (laughs) an expressionist japanese uh and now Swedish uh, dance form that in that um, in which you dance the life to death of an experience or feeling or mood um, and it grew out of the cultural trauma of Hiroshima and Nagasaki that was their core motivation point I didn't know that that's so cool yeah, I mean, devast- devastating, but I don't know if anybody has experienced Buto, but you should Google that and just see. It's haunting. Watch some videos. I feel like- it's it's magical. It's it's one of the scariest art forms I've ever seen. But it, I guess it's the general. I mean, I guess that that makes sense that like these conversations that happen through art. The I will say that serialized television has just come into its own over the last while, mm-hmm. right? Because with the changing consumption and the way that we consume media, it would make sense that those conversations are happening now on a serialized television format as opposed mm-hmm. to previously, right? So I mean mm-hmm. that there's something there's something to that, right? About the same conversations happening but in different ways as as sort of we we evolve and change and and the way that we communicate with one another uh, mm-hmm. does the same thing. So I mean that's cool. yeah. Well. I like it. You you can now go Google Buto B O T U H. 
Buto. And um, and there are hundreds of videos available for you on YouTube. And otherwise, that will give you like a robust sense of what this art form is. Look for mostly nude people painted white writhing to to sort of new age John Cagey metronomy music. That's what you're looking nice. for. Sit with it until you're uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, and then um, you've you've experienced it the way that it's supposed to be experienced, uh-huh. yeah. And you can go do that right now. Now I, I am excited because there's a once a year Buto performance, like in two weeks on Wreck Beach. I will oh. bus for an hour and walk for an hour down a thousand stairs to watch this one this once a year dance performance because that's how you can access live Buto, but. If you're less picky and you haven't spoiled yourself like me, you can just go enjoy Buto on YouTube. And it's right there for you, all the despair and creative discourse. It's all laid out and available now in a way that, you know, who read Death of a Salesman when it was published? How many people actually saw Death of a Salesman in Arthur Miller's lifetime? Yes, we studied it a generation or two later, but... At because that we time, had to. <laughs> we, yeah, and we were way past the actual con- cultural context, social context, and messaging of the it was written. We, you know, a generation and a half later, it's a completely different conversation, and we're deciphering this story of the past instead of learning from it or or opining on it. Right, and then, like and like riffing on it in the time that it's made, and like the conversation that it's happening and sparking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you've actually. T- I know, Amanda. Sorry. I know we don't really do topics, but I, I, as soon as Amanda asked me, that's the first thing I asked for. Like, what are subjects? And and, and <laughs> she offered bullet points, which was was very kind of her. But um, I and just, I will say, it's not that Mike and I don't do <laughs> topics because we don't have topics on this show. It's that mm-hmm. Mike and I kind of connect for our podcast, and we go, "What are we talking about?" Although. Mike did come up with a whole agenda for this year. So, but we're just, we're just throwing that agenda out the window. So, you know. (laughs) And the planning lives in different places in our brains and how we podcast. Um, So in my, in my mind are, um, I guess our general theme and conversation today, um, the things I'm excited and have a couple of things I specifically want to mention about are um, uh, the, the benchmarks of diversity and representation as seen in um, the the three big Disney Plus series, um, uh, WandaVision, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki, though Loki is still happening, we can't analyze it too much, we won't spoilerize it, um, but I guess spoiler warnings for WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm really um, excited to, to, to chat a bit about those and um, where they sit in the wider zeitgeist of popular entertainment having critical conversations. Awesome. Um, and oh, but- yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, go ahead. I also want to note and uh, recognize that Amanda and I are super limited perspective on these subjects. Uh, we are both white settler Canadians. Um, I have a like, I have recommendations and resources and a bunch of other podcasts that I think uh, you would probably love that I'll throw it at the end of this conversation, because if you get there and you still are enjoying it, then here's a bunch of other places to go listen to specifically this by um, more knowledgeable voices uh, than ours on the subject. 
Nice. No, I appreciate it because we always we we try to contextualize our conversations all the time. And before we we before we get into stuff that's like actually about stuff, when you're sort of like Google it, it's online for Buto. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. I should talk about the thing that I created that's available online. So oh, I'm yeah. totally using this as a shameless plug, <laughs> um, for people to go to watch Dust. Um, it's it they have short films that are like of this of the sci-fi genre on 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 YouTube. Mm-hmm. That you can just watch for free, and a short film I made called Happiness is one of those films. Okay. Um, if you're in the international audiences, so it, it's not available in Canada on Watch Dust. If you're in Canada, you need to watch it on Crave because that's who actually bought the license agreement for it in Canada and gave us the money to make this uh, short film called <laughs> Happiness, which is so great. We very much appreciate the Bell Media Fund and uh, the Harold Greenberg Fund. Um, but uh, but. The international audiences dust came to us and they said, Hey, we like your short and we'd want to, we want to show it to people. So if you want to check out some work that I did, you can see it for free. Um, I think it's watchdust.com, but if you also like are on YouTube and you, you basically look for dust and alter basically, or I think you say, you can say watch here. I'm, I'm Googling it as I'm talking to you guys. Um, so watch dust and then dust shows up as the main thing and they have so many short films and they're all really cool science fiction based films. They have like new films, like at three times a week and, um, you can like comment and, and talk and chat. And anyways, it's very exciting. So if you haven't checked, checked out, uh, watch dust. Uh, check it out and look at they're just and they're all just like bite size they're like between 10 and 20 minutes most of them um and if you just want some cool sci-fi content like they they're pretty good like they curate some really awesome stuff um mm. not to toot my own horn or anything um but i'm really so i'm really excited if you want our our short just got released last week so it's one of the le- it's one of the most recent ones um that's on there uh and yeah, so you, you can check it out. You can check out media that I made and then talk about it critically on the internet, just like we are doing now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it's a, a shout out to uh, Download Joy Productions, which is the production company that I own with uh, Luvia Peterson and Hugh Lander, two awesome Vancouver-based ladies. Um, and we've created a, uh, one other short film, uh, I think the one I was talking about earlier this year, uh, called I, Dorothy. Um, that's not available yet anywhere for people to see because it was uh, part of Crazy Eights, but hopefully it will be soon. And you know me. I will let you know when it's available where you can watch it. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's my that's my little like mini plug for like watch something <laughs> and let me know. Tweet tweet us. Let us know how you how you feel or uh, what your thoughts are. Um, uh, you know me at a Conkin. You can you can let me know. I'd love to I'd love to hear love to hear what you think. Um, but that's it. Now we can talk about actual media that people are aware of <laughs> instead of just the things that I made. Mainstream media. I made with friends. Mainstream. I mean, media. it's you're that's you're it. on your way. It's on the internet, and shorts are, shorts are, shorts are wonderful bite-sized filmmaking. Like it took me a while to appreciate it, and I think, um, Disney and Pixar shorts, uh, sort of re reminded me the value of the medium. Um, that I totally knew as a kid watching Bugs Bunny, but I sort of forgot. Right. Like ten minutes. I mean, it's, it's fantastic length. That's how much my brain can process, right? Like it kind of is nice to just have these little, these little, especially mm-hmm. if you can tell a cohesive story. Cause that's the hardest thing with shorts is to be able to have mm-hmm. a, like a beginning, a middle and an end and be able to be like, that was satisfying in and of itself. And it's not leading to something else. Even though like most mm-hmm. shorts are sort of proof of concepts, it's cool to, to be able to find like a really strong short film. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and I, know. no, I'm, I'm a little less married to, to narrative style as well though. But, but I think that, um, Ooh that also like whether it's chronological the narrative or whether it's more abstract um 
having having some sort of thesis question that is presented a limited a limited range of subject for thought that is explored by the characters um, and their experiences um, I really like that short films is a bite-sized philosophy exercise <laughs> like Sudoku for morals <laughs> I like it uh no it works that works it's a it's a good uh a good a good a good extraction um and as we go like i say um or like i say like you said ryan uh we do have some ideas of what we're going to chat about um people if you want a like an in-depth analysis of marvel's last few series obviously check out the nuff said uh podcast that comes to you straight on this network um uh, where i think curtis and myself and mike have talked about uh we talked about wandavision and we talked about falcon and the winter soldier and of course there will be enough said on um the upcoming black widow movie that comes out this week i'm so excited um and then we'll also do enough said on uh on loki when that's done which is exciting so we're not going to talk too much about upcoming things that obviously we're going to do full dedicated podcasts to but it just makes sense that when we're talking about like zeitgeist and we're talking about influential pop culture that, I mean, my, my brain automatically goes to Marvel. And I think when I was talking to you, Ryan, I was like, well, I'm really excited for black widow, but I'm also like really apprehensive that we put all of this sort of weight on her shoulders where we're like, she's got to do well because she's a female superhero. And, um, we chatted Mm -hmm. just like the little, the little drop that we got of the, um, what is it? The, the immortals or the, Oh, the Eternals. Oh, the up, Eternals. Yeah. The Eternals. Like yeah, even just that little, like, Eternals. what was it? Like a, like a, like a one minute teaser or whatever. Mike and I chatted about it for like, we wound up talking about it for like 30 minutes. Cause we're just like desperate mm-hmm. for like interesting, like diverse content that's mm-hmm. upcoming. And we have all our hopes and dreams on these things. So I think mm-hmm. before we go into that, it might, it might, it's like a nice reflective, like again, Mike's like podcast about whatever you want, and I was like, we'll just talk about the things I love, which is Marvel, <laughs> even mm. though we already talk about it. Um, but I think through that lens, that's sort of what I'm approaching this right is like, how do we mm. set ourselves at like at our expectations as we go forward um, by looking backwards at the stuff that has sort of come and like and that conversation that Disney's started for us um, mm. in in the in the representation that already exists started for us there. Um, I want to I want to jump in and throw sort of a thesis statement that I want to, to argue today um, that um, the Disney Marvel world is an important watermark for um, pu- acceptable public discourse acceptable okay. conversations um, that that Disney and Marvel are masterful followers at gauging, but also king-making in that they say when it's socially acceptable for something to be mainstream in a very big way. But they are not the groundbreakers. They do not take the risks, generally speaking. Um, and for me, the three Disney Plus um, series really, really um, have important examples of that but also speaking of black widow um women a a woman leading a superhero movie um how is that still all put on her shoulders we did this with captain marvel we did this with wonder woman like aren't we done being aren't we done firsting or is there another dimension that, uh, that i'm missing because 
I was thinking about that specifically today that like the pro the 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 the, the second and the third and the fourth um examples of any any singular groundbreaking representation um are so important for how they continue the conversation past that groundbreaking first that is is as much a um like just breaking the ground is its own spectacular achievement um but when when you have peers and cohorts courts there and there there are um there's a variety of views and perspectives and examples and artistic uh takes um in any type of representation when you get a whole bunch of queer artists together trans artists together black artists together um that it's it's a neat synergy of, of the 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 fifth and the sixth and the seventh but like is black widow really the is it what the third big benchmark like that's that's picking up some speed right it, I mean, I hope so. I mean, it's been years. It's been years in between. I, I, I heard, a, what was it? It's, again, I think on the internet, right? It's like, the Wright brothers built the worst plane ever. But mm-hmm. because they were first, right? It's like, somebody's got to go first. Mm-hmm. And you put all your hopes and dreams on it. But it's like, that that wasn't how it always, that's not how it should be, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you, you, you start so that people can build upon what it is that you did. And they can do things that you maybe failed on. And they can, they can grow and learn and and change and so maybe that's mm-hmm. what it's all about is is trying to figure out how to make that how to make that work mm-hmm. so I, I like i get i get what you're saying like what is it how do we deal with how do we deal with that i don't know right so do you have a like do you have a thought on that because it's a very mm. um deep question that i'm like i don't know if i if i'm empowered if i'm able to answer this question <laughs> I I don't. Um, I think I'm I'm really interested in noticing and acknowledging that. Let's. Uh, I may be wrong, but excluding Star Wars, talking about superhero films le- with a singular female lead, um, we've got uh, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, and now Black Widow as huge blockbusters, big lead lead projects. Um, yeah, I so mean, there was the Supergirl tried to do it in it like not, the sixties or seventies. It did not, though. Uh, yeah, so I'm talking about in the in the current yeah. site, guys. In the, in the current, cont- in the con- yes, in the current site, guys, you are correct. <laughs> there really isn't anything else. Um, um, but I mean, mm-hmm. but but Wonder Woman got to do it twice because mm-hmm. she had two films so yep. far. There was in a the sequel. same period of time that it took for Marvel to do <laughs> two. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's it's picking up momentum slowly. But she is the third. But it, yeah, it's. I'm very interested to see what happens with the fourth and the fifth and the sixth now, more more than what happens with the third because there was um, there was a whole hurricane of important conversations that happened around and during and because of um, of Captain Marvel and because of Wonder Woman. There were a whole bunch of um, really neat points of cognitive dissident dissonance where a, a a plot point or a scene or an action or a choice really depended on just a, a little bit of a lived experience and uh, a woman's perspective and way of being in the world uh, that went over a great deal of, of audience's head. Um, it showed me a great deal about how undertrained we are as an audience to see um, in this medium 
experiences outside of a very tight script. Um, so I'm, uh, and I, I think that's quite common in in firsts that there's there's some like setting of ground and and teaching of vocabulary. Um, but once that's there, does it thrive or does it become a 1960s Supergirl project, an interesting footnote? Um, and it takes the Black Widows and the next the next half a dozen um, films that get ascribed this mantle and label and weight, I think, to really um, push through that, hopefully, that expectation. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you would hope. I think I think that's the, that's what we're we're trying to do, and and what I'm hoping we're seeing, especially. I mean, it's it's exponentially more so in television than it is in in features. Still, mm. I have no idea why. Right? I don't no, know. And I think that that's why different risks. I'm interested different to talk about the t- yeah, exactly. But when you look at something mm. like WandaVision, where it does it, I mean, they put so much time and energy and money into mm-hmm. into that, which is cool. Like that that the that the Disney Plus wave is starting a. How do we put time and energy into television because everything's sort of coming directly to us now, mm-hmm. especially in this new post COVID world. Well, we're not quite in a post COVID world, just so everybody's really clear, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like in terms yes. of like, if, if people Next can get stuff directly media. to them. Yeah. Um, how do we, how do we invest in that appropriately? So I do wonder how much that relates to um, like, I wonder how Disney plus plays on an international market what the release looks like there. Um, Cause I know, I know that's an excuse often given for a more conservative and cautious standard applied to films, especially blockbuster films is the, um, right. the both real and boogeyman for an audience who will discriminate. Like there's legitimately authoritarian countries and not a small number of them, but there's also the excuse that Hollywood sits on. Oh, all the time. And I mean, that, I mean, it's, I think it still is, they were doing so many theatrical releases um, mm-hmm. for so long and you still get, I mean, you still get those conversations happening and I, I don't know, I, I can't, I can't speak to that for the, definitely for the TV releases. I feel like mm-hmm. it's definitely still a feature mm-hmm. conversation because I'm yeah. just wondering if maybe the, it's just like, again, the investment, like where stuff comes from. And right now I think the audiences that are going to the movie theater really are in these larger um, territories, right. Where, where, where they're really banking on, on making sure that they get the blockbuster draw or that they can slip into those like coveted slots for foreign films um, mm-hmm. that aren't, that aren't so widely, they're not going to get them everywhere, but uh, right. yeah. There's, hopefully. there's a few very, very, uh, specialized prestige winner conditions of the blockbuster, whereas you can actually do quite well with any number of television shows in a year or a season. I suppose. Yeah. I, and I mean, that's, I think that's really what it is, is it's the cost benefit analysis. And we always talk about this is like putting our money where our mouth is and these big mm. studios until they sort of say, you know what, we're not going to lean to, what was it? It was like the hundredth anniversary of, uh, of communism in China or something like that. And, uh, and that's a whole big thing that we just always forget that there is like a whole huge powerhouse in the world stage that is built fundamentally on this ideology that is not in line with the rest of the world. Or, I mean, you know, the, the most economically prevalent <laughs> rest of the world. Hmm. Um, 
but that it that it shapes how they consume media and what they're allowed to consume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, recognizing that there are cultural gaps that are um, both different and often bigger in core taught indoctrinated philosophies between what we get out of our, our formative media and uh, where representation at is at in each place and each culture and, and each uh, uh, each language especially I think makes such a huge difference like the the you know I think the 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 sort of Western hegemony that we're both thinking within is really maybe a third of the world if we're rounding up and looking oh, at yeah. like influenced uh, places like Japan um, but we have such predominance of English language media that's such a nice shared bulk of a thing that it's um, um, it's easy to build this critical mass of a discourse and conversation um, but even then there's only a few blockbusters a year um, I'm really fascinated by the um, the the sort of progressive um, teen shows that I'm seeing trickling in from uh, from Europe quite frequently. Various versions Ooh. of Scam. Um, there's a new one on Netflix called the the Young Royals, uh, and it's this lovely uh, gay love story between two uh, between a teenage prince of Denmark, a fictionalized prince of Denmark, and um, there's a lot of like medium budget TV happening in in non English languages that is um, broaching this really important co- contemporary um, these these living conversations and exploring them in ways that I couldn't fathom seeing on Disney Plus yet um, and. Uh, in the same vein of like we see different risks on TV. Um, I'm excited to see that, um, but then I look at everything on Disney Plus and I see the safety. In contrast, oh, yeah. um, I'm excited to see what Disney Plus presents um, because it because it like I was saying before a watermark. Um, it 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 gives me a, a good sense of what the broad English language acceptance baseline is. Um, well, but also that the more that they pretend to be progressive, right, for, <laughs> for lack of a better sort of thing, the more that they will eventually find themselves there. And I mean, again, not to, no spoilers or anything for this, but like Loki having a female director, mm-hmm. right, leads like that stuff permeates through all the core creative elements. And you've got yeah. um, the, what was it like the, a seeing a post go around with the um, one of the actresses for the that's that's been cast in this in the film being in, on the show, having um, like zippers built into her costume so that she could breastfeed while mm-hmm. she's in the dressing room, and that, that just yep. being a thing that when you have sort of female driven creators, or female driven female creators, you create this sort of awareness and acceptance for. Mm-hmm things that wouldn't necessarily be standardized or even thought of. Yeah. And so I feel like they'll force themselves across a finish line eventually. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand, I understand what you're talking about when you're talking about like that, like a, like a sort of a false sense of um, uh, what is it mm-hmm. like being progressive and yeah. that, that you're critiquing this, like, are they creating a safe conversation of, of mm-hmm. diversity and of inclusion? Um, and I'm I'm curious if you if you have some specific like nitpicks on that it, when it comes to like WandaVision or um, mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, 
because I haven't talked to you about either of those things yet. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's crack that <laughs> ice. Um, but while we're on Loki, I, I want to just sort of touch on a couple points of there that I did want to mention that are, I don't think spoilery. They're, they're so inconsequential, but they're a little, they're a little fandom bait things and details that were tossed out. Um, so if you're, skip the next five minutes if you're extremely precious about details, details, spoilers, but they're very minute. Um, in one episode, Loki uh, passingly confirms that he is ha- has had romances with men and women in a very roundabout way. And um, in the title scene, um, you can see in Loki's profile that his gender is noted as fluid. Um, these are really, really important um, benchmarks, like, but they're also yeah, yeah, yeah. so minute and so limited. Um, but where we see them, I feel like it, we, I feel like we, we, um, there's so much to be read into um, what is allowed to be progressive. So a title card that will be seen if you go looking for it. That is functionally non-canonical. Right. That is the equivalent of a props person putting in an important Easter egg detail. Um, important representation, but not representation. Um, passing mention, right. an important step, but in no way do I count it as by representation. They are, they're not engaging with that or allowing it any further presence. It's a throwaway Dumbledore's gay moment i was gonna say that's that was exactly what i referenced it too is that like when these big creators come in and they're like what are you talking about the show is diverse so and so was gay and you're like but where in the narrative did it become a core part of the story that would that change something about the character right it doesn't even have to be like a story point or a plot point but just like even just a core part of the character i don't yeah it doesn't need to be i don't need a, a a romance or it to always be about the gay but if if you include multiple queer perspectives, like that impacts more than you can see when that's faked. When you you can see when it's a bunch of uh, straight characters from a straight creator who happen to be kissing each other in a way that is right. thought to be kind of queer. You can see it. Right. See right through. Um, I mean, I hope so. There's some people that don't. Some people are like, man. This is so progressive. Well, you can see right through if you have if you have your own foot in the door in some capacity. If you, I think if you, um, I think a really important access point for a lot of people is is where do, where are you underrepresented? Where where do you need to see yourself more? And where do you wish you you saw yourself? Um, right. Looking for these groundbreaking moments, and, and that might be extremely important for for others. Um, I think that's a, a a good step in breaking that ice and digging into that meta. That's if that's a way you want to analyze and engage with your media, as I really like to do. Yeah, well, I mean that's but which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I guess something that you've made me sort of think about a little bit then is, and I'm sorry I, again jumping all mm-hmm. over because um, yeah, yeah, to Falcon in the Winter to Falcon in the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. the idea of them having the black captain america being in a tv series and not Mm. 
featured in a in a movie there's something to that too about like well well, giving these characters safe space to show our diversity but making it so that it's not going to impact our overall box office numbers or whatever it is right they're like what i've now i'm just sort of thinking about that critically which i don't even know if we went into i feel like we did talk about some of this stuff on enough said um when we did dissect the um the the uh series but that it's it's great for what it is but maybe there could be more Right. And then it's like, what are those, how do we, how do we challenge these big conglomerates? Mm-hmm. Right. If nothing else, but putting our money places and giving them the money for what they currently have. Right. Like showing that we're interested in this diversity to see how they will mm-hmm. push it forward more, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, right. Cause it's like, it's not, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that it's just like, it becomes like a little bit of a like sticky place where you're like, well, how do you show them that you want more of this? Mm-hmm. Um, if not, lock I'm looking at a very different, um, different starting point. I think, um, I don't, okay. I, I am not engaging with Disney. They're going to figure okay. out what we want and they will spoon feed it to us. They have budget for that. <laughs> and many psychology graduates are well employed, um, with market research. <laughs> That's Disney isn't someone I will change or I will influence. I don't have a billion dollars or a major market share to work with. Um, Right. But um, smaller media, um, I would argue that that everything presented in Falcon and Winter Soldier um, walks on the, the territory tread by Watchmen. And by Lovecraft County, right. country, oh, by okay. the current zeitgeist of of excellent Black American storytelling that has explored period and genre in rich, um, nuanced ways, and I think laid the laid the societal foundation for Disney pr- to present a story that is explicitly about uh, Captain America being Black. That is. Um, right more explicit than I than I expected and and I really appreciate the um the story um the the whole the sub narrative with um the the el- elder super soldier um whose name completely escapes me which uh moment um about the elimination of of someone who really was the first black captain America from history and from the narrative. Right. Um those are all groundbreaking things but they they I really don't think they would have happened on Disney if they weren't happen if they didn't first happen in groundbreaking artistic fashions on HBO and those pieces owe their roots to to a lot of things you probably haven't seen theater events and and activist events and networking events of different right, creators right, working right. together um, but uh, so what you know, I can't see through the professional professional glaze, um, but I think we should look to the um, the, the higher risk taking forms of media, like traditional television, like medium budget Degrassi um, in Canada or Scam in uh, in uh, for where's the real groundbreaking experimental stuff slipping through that's going to set the stage and set the ground that 
that lets Dis- that gives Disney its calculus permission to take this risk because it is no longer a risk to them. It's been proven uh, at this step, this step, this step. Great. We can talk about be black in America now. Finally, they they did they did Black Panther, which is this wildly American perspective, Pan Africana. Like it's a fantastic film. It's a, it's a groundbreaking film, but it's also not talking about race in America. It's 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 right. circling around the edges. It's including impacts of. But I mean, I mean, Kill Killmonger was was sort of supposed to be that I think in Black Panther, but you're right, it was at it was at the at the periphery of that story. Mm-hmm. And, and Killmonger to... was a was like a pan imperialist global presence as well. He was American trained, right? But we spent no time in America, and yet it's I, I believe it's a very American story, um, not just because of the the creators, the the artist Ryan Coogler and. Um, most of the team are English-speaking, uh, American or UK. Um, a few of the, the artists I know, um, Lupita Nyong'o is is Spanish Mexican. Um, there were some wonderful on-stage expressions of a broad range of African language and imagery and clothes and culture. Um, but the, the most of the decision makers in the creative team were still Americans speaking from a Black American perspective, um, and then letting those artists speak about the contemporary now um that's uh that's a whole, i think that's a new and important threshold like shakespeare wrote about the king a generation ago because to write about the queen right now would get him killed it's right the writing about the queen i mean i i say that reality television would beg to differ or i guess a um biopic television there are so many queen narratives but i no i get i get what you mean um in terms of like how you how you distance yourself from something there are no no elizabeth 2015 narratives not yet whereas um falcon winter soldier i think um represents a real benchmark of um speaking about contemporary black american challenges and issues and lived experiences um it 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 speaks to the now uh in a way that i don't to the immediate now of the the people making it um cool yeah and i think i think it's i think it's an important distinction that are you telling a story about your life through fiction and your lived experiences as a collective of, of, of you know, American artists, or are you creating a fantastical world or a superhero world? And they're doing all of those things. Um, but the specific plot content that I was most excited about in Falcon Winter Soldier, I think, was that permission to to speak to the now uh, more more than more than past examples, the here and now. Um. Um. Yeah. Uh, there's also a whole sub branch about um, disability in Falcon in Winter Soldier, uh, disability representation that I think is hugely important and uh, goes maybe underutilized to some degree, but is certainly present in um, in Bucky's arc um, and in the very um, in Bucky's reaction shots, if you will. Like they spend so much time on emotive Bucky more than uh explanatory narrative bucky and uh it's a it's a very i mean bucky 
on his set of subject matter, um, PTSD, uh, coming back from war, um, this disassociation between you and the society you're in, and um, the the scenes of healing with Io in Wakanda, the uh, the healing narrative, the restorative recovery healing narrative, and one that explores um, a character living with and, and recovering from and and um, adapting to disability and change and trauma uh, in a way that brings us out the other end, like healthy and healing and showing us the steps, right. not just montaging us through. I, I think that for that too, one of the things that I find it was, it was like a one, it was like a, like a meme, like a gag, but mm-hmm. that they had this, this meme, right. Where it's like the, we really needed therapy, but they gave us our own series gang. Yep. That was Wanda and <laughs> Bucky and Loki. And yep. it's like, well, because there's something about the trauma that like, that they bring through into these longer narratives and exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about that, but there's so much in that, that they actually do do the, th- like the therapy thing is like part of, mm-hmm. um, which I completely sort of forget about in Falcon and the Winter Thro- Soldier, that there, there is that sort of conversation about healing and how you deal with that. And I think, I mean, more so, I mean, that's, that's Wanda vision is, that's what that's what that's about like how do you when you're you know magically powerful right how do you how do you heal from something but also as an individual just even without that power like what is the what do you inflict on other people and how how in your in trying to deal with your own mental health what responsibility is back on you for making Mm -hmm. sure that you don't cause further harm for people Mm -hmm. but also find a find a way to be able to to live in the world and navigate it in a yeah. way that's, that you're not like tearing apart at the seams. So and I'm, I'm thrilled to see that in, in the bubblegum superhero stories, you know, th- we are, those are not foreign to film, but um, what I might expect to see at best in, in Oscar bait, uh, right. I can now see as the subcategory of what Elizabeth Olsen gets to do as Scarlet Witch. Um, and I've, I've, I've always been enamored with um, fan fiction that very specifically sits in the healing space that are is often glossed over between pieces of narrative. The emotional and mental processing in healing. I've always loved that analysis of people writing, you know, writing out some hypothetical character thoughts or steps of processing and coping. And um, um, it's it's one of my favorite subgenres of of writing and fan fiction, and of, of engaging with and reacting to media in fandom. Um, the the unseen healing is so fleshed out by the fandom, and I was thrilled to see that um, that so sent so centered in WandaVision, um, grieving shown in all shown in messiness, um, without a without a hallmark bow tie to it. Um, I just I we we talked about this in enough said that I think some of our favorite one of our favorite moments I think for many of us, or maybe it was just me, was just like that, like her falling to her knees in the middle of that outline of that house. Oh, yeah. Right? Where oh. you're just like, that just like the the grief that emanates off, of, like it's just so powerful and beautiful and mm-hmm. and 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 painful. And you, and you, it's just uh, after this sort of light hearted series mm-hmm. that you're just been going through and you're kind of like, what's the catch with this? And and to really get at the core of something, something deep, um, I don't know. I think, I think that was really cool. And I mean, I, I, like, I get what you're saying though, that these shows aren't necessarily 
starting right they're not starting this conversation they're reacting to this conversation but yes. th i do think that they are amplifying it for audiences that wouldn't otherwise engage in the conversation so okay. just like we talked about i think in the in our like patreon after stuff when we started like um just our like little chit chat at the beginning of this that mm. so much of our conversations and our reality is shaped by the communities that we inhabit and who we bounce our ideas off of and and how we how we get to engage critically with the world around us i think there is still i think you're right that that disney is reacting to a conversation that's already starting but it's not to say that they're not starting it for other audiences yes they're right? they're translating it and it's it's sort of a final step of maturation of a certain conversation disseminating into into this shared cultural beast. Right. Like that's the kind of the the deepest saturation of the pop culture. I think it would be the deification um, of a lot of these stories and issues. Um, and I yeah I think they I, I think it's an important step. Um, I guess I don't, I enjoy it as a viewer. I don't engage so much with Dis what with the Disney standards as a creator as an, or as an artist, um, because that's not where I see change originating. I guess I'm more interested in the, 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 um, the, in where the, where the new standards are being set and established and tested and tried. Um, because I, I, I tend to find, truer representation and richer and bolder representation in those spaces first before i get them in disney plus like um two two of my very favorite characters in wandavision um monica rambo amazing mm -hmm. built up protagonist character um but there are big missing pieces captain marvel is functionally her stepmother question mark there's an intense relationship right. there, but there's some things that are being skirted around um uh, authority and power and growing up and monica rambo as the current generation character as a, as a millennial essentially all these fascinating areas they could explore that they laid out colorfully on the lawn for us to see uh in wandavision um billy uh billy and teddy wanda's children Oh my gosh, right. um, Billy, who becomes Wiccan, is one of the most important um, gay characters in comic books of the last 20 years. Um, and and what groundbreaking to have this character on television. However, he's a creepy best and child. What new fear <laughs> baiting is this? You give me the prepubescent version of this character, and then you banish them to super hell. But I, I'm. Aren't you excited for? Well, isn't it young? What is it? Or sorry, young, young. It's the Young Avengers, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what yes. it is? Yeah. And I just think that they they are setting up something really cool that hopefully, again, by the time that that rolls around, they'll be engaged in that conversation in a way that they'll be able to lean into it fully. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess I think I'm 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 pleased by this articulation that you've got on it because that's always been I think the difference in how I engage with this type of media, because for me, I don't necessarily feel like I have. Uh my representation is everywhere, right? Because I am, I am a, a hetero cis white 
lady from uh, Canada, right? Like yeah, I don't have like watched so, a lot of we've, straight romance, a lot of that films, right? Together. Exactly, so, so much many. of it, <laughs> so many. Um, but so for me, I love that the media that like this, like Disney's a lateral move for me, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's the same, it's the same as what I've been continuing to consume. But then it's it's starting to have these conversations with the people that I consume this culture with, right? Other people, and mm-hmm. and making it making it sort of peek peek at them in ways that they wouldn't otherwise engage with. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to signal boost that, yeah. I think that's how I can contribute meaningfully to this conversation, mm-hmm. because I'm I I am not the person like I should hold hold open open the space for the creators that want to create the the groundbreaking content right but i'm not mm-hmm. the one that's going to be creating those like i'm not the one that's going to be creating those series that are really like speaking to something and sparking stuff just the way that you said right like that really exciting um like thought provoking work that is allowing these other conversations to exist so mm-hmm. as a creator I think that my space is in amplifying those voices. And one of the ways that I find that easiest to do is to speak to the like, right? If I use my little quotes mm-hmm. and the people that consume the same content as me consume, mm-hmm. like if I can, if I can package it in these big candy coating packages, then I am just building on the work of, I, I know in the backs of the creators that came before it, but helping yeah. that content be maybe more accepted in the wide stream mainstream media it, mm-hmm. however small and incremental those steps may be but i under but like mm-hmm. but so so i don't know i don't know that's just my that's my two cents on that in a way that i hadn't i haven't actually critic, critically thought about that before like why it is that i'm so excited to see the representation however mm-hmm. little it is um in stuff like the disney plus series and you know like it's not mm-hmm. very well but you know in star wars or in yeah um, well, you know what we what we do the new get, gossip girl will take the new the new Gossip Girl has diverse characters, even though I don't know how many there actually are. But you know, diversity of everything I'm class. <laughs> well, yes, no. <laughs> okay, I will say that's like the whole trope of the first Gossip Girl was that they were poor. They only had a big loft in Brooklyn, so they were, oh, yeah. you know, they were uh, they were scraping scraping the, the, uh, the yeah, you know, ex 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 ex. What are they? Musicians, anyways. Sorry, um, not to be flippant. You know, I, I, I um, <laughs> two points ago, I was really psyched and agreeing with you that pop, pop culture gives us such important shared language and shared jargon and shared touch points that we can um, yes. um, use to have these conversations with. Um, and I want to also jump on your segue of amplifying voices because I have a big long list of um, a couple of places and people to reference and recommend. Um, if Woo-hoo! these are conversations you, you really want to engage with in pop culture, with diversity and with more diverse voices. Um, Thank you. Some podcasts that I really enjoy that I have um, that I learn a lot from and that I um, connect with and uh, love to engage with Minority Corner, um, a very popular mainstream uh, talk podcast Um that has been around for around four or five years now. It's part of the Max Fun Network, the um, Adventure Zone folks. Um, it is uh, a black, gay, feminist pop culture talk show. Um, every episode, um, they will talk about current events with those perspe- with those specific uh, lenses. 
um, of the Black American experience, uh, a gay experience, a feminist lens. Um, they frequently have uh, quite accomplished guest thinkers and co-hosts to um, add perspectives um, on specific subject matter that they're focusing on that week. Um, they often present a like a simple essay format, um, a, a, a quick summary conversation about some important historical conversation uh, that is related to something going on in media, but easy to miss. Like we're, we're gonna, uh, you know, in a week where immigration is the major political subject, um, they took 45 minutes to talk about um, the history of Mexican immigration into America going back to the Mexican-American War in the 1850s and the various steps and back and forth and political swings that have gotten us here in, in kind of a spoken wiki form. Um, I find it very accessible, very, very fun and bright and cheery and very conversational listening. Um, that's uh, one of my regulars. Uh, another favorite of mine, uh, which is only one season long currently, is uh, a podcast called Coffee with My Ma. Um, this is a storytelling uh, podcast um, where we listen to a um, a very uh, a, a, an activist from uh, the 1960s through 1990s uh, named. Pardon me while I'm reading to work my pronunciation. Um, uh, Continetto Horn, uh, who is from uh, Ganawage, uh, a Mohawk uh, community that is just across the river from Montreal. And um, she was uh, at the 1990s Oka crisis, a standoff between the Canadian military and Mohawk warriors and activists. Um, and uh, she shares rather tangential and wild but personal experiences of being a young Mohawk activist um, engaging in Ottawa, uh, working with the Canadian government in Indian affairs, working in um, international relations, spending time in Cuba, uh, learning about communists, the communist and socialist revolution, um, spending time in your, like, she's a very um, fantastically well-traveled um, speaker and, and leader and artist. And she just talks about her life. Um, and it's fabulous. Um, and her daughter, um, her daughter, who you may know from uh, Letterkenny, Kanyetio uh, Horn, uh, interviews her and gets her talking um, about various subjects or things that you know, lifelong family anecdotes or stories that they want to get on tape because they are really important bits of living history um, that speak to the um, the indigenous uh, North American perspective, um, specifically the Haudenosaunee and, and Mohawk perspective, um, but also the, the the forefront of political discourse in North America. Um, we often forget included First Nations leaders from all around the continent. They were at the forefront of these conversations right along with um, with Black and uh, and Catholic and progressive and Jewish leaders. And um, that's a, um, it's a fascinating perspective to see a, a time that is 
I feel well explored or I thought was well explored that I was well aware of. Um, but yeah, it really brings some new, um, I, just, I love the stories. They're fantastic stories. They're, they're charming and cheerful and they get you laughing, but they also slap you with racism briefly. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's my jam. Oh, um, all right. Uh, a couple, sorry, a couple more. Uh, Sweet Bitter no, Podcast great. is my new favorite right now. It is a um, a podcast all about Sappho, um, the oh, like uh, the, the, the the original the, lesbian, yeah. the uh, the the vintage women who loved women in classic, in in European classics, and it's just in depth analysis of poetry and fragments, and they go on this wild four episode. Con- episode tangent about a current scandal in the papyrus industry where some dude stole millions of dollars from oxford allegedly for hobby lobby and it's wild and there were fake sappho poems and all sorts of shenanigans um but mostly they talk about gay poetry and how wonderful it is and the musicality of it they have um people singing sappho uh in various ways it's just a lovely deep dive into um into that root bit of poetry and identity um that also sappho importantly is the the first surviving piece of of media we have speaking in the first person she's the oldest example of of media that says i cool yeah so in that regard so much of english and, and, and contemporary literature has this this core ancestor in in Sappho's poetry which is mostly existing in partial line fragments go figure (laughs) nice um so deep dive into that poetry um if you are much more for the hard-hitting crime podcast with facts and facts um is this for real is a uh journalistic narrative um I want to say slice of life uh as much as matter of fact uh piece of journalism uh, podcasting about um, the experience with the uh, Edmonton police services in Alberta, the the capital and largest a large city in, in Alberta, Canada, um, and specifically from a Somali Canadian uh, refugee and immigrant perspective, um, there are there's a multi generational community in uh in edmonton specifically of um several east african african diaspora groups um that are well established for for uh decades now and that have a a really rich history of conflicts um brought on by the edmonton police service uh, everything the black lives matter all that but specific to edmonton specific to like the lived experiences of the journalists and the the people who are currently in their community that they go out and talk to about the thing that happened last month. It's a very matter of fact, very um, uh, strong and impacting uh, piece of podcasting. Um, if you really want to stare, uh, stare that right in the face um, from a very specific voice, I think is I, I've not seen anywhere the, the, the black Albertan, uh perspective um highly highly recommend can i ramble a little bit more uh you i i'm loving this the the like coming with all of this like recommendation stuff yeah i feel like people can continue to listen to all of the things that you're that you're um that you're that you're recommending and getting people to go in into different spaces so yeah i'm sorry that i don't have any cool (laughs) 
it's fine. School it's fine. It's fine. That, are, that I'm recommending. It's how I prep. Like, what are who are all the people who know know more about this that I listen to and learn from? And I was like, yeah. um, there's a number of people who I mostly follow on Twitter, but who have podcast or radio broadcast um, works widely available. Who I highly recommend for um, some important uh, perspectives and voices on. Uh, well, I will mention as I go. Um, Angela Sterritt, S-T-E-R-R-I-T-T, is a CBC reporter um, from the Gitsan Nation in uh, uh, so-called Northern British Columbia, um, the unceded Gitsan Nation, um, a, a near neighbor of the Wet'suwet'en Nation, um, quite um, at least nationally famous for um, last year's conflicts and blockades, uh, ongoing conflicts and blockades since well before last year. Um, she is a, um, a well-established, well-known journalist at the CBC, our Canadian public broadcaster, um, who has um, rich community ties all over Western Canada with, um, with a wide range of Indigenous communities and um, really brings, um, brings that reporting outside of, out, uh, out of the out of this genre place where it often is is placed by news media, um, and um, I think has really um, been recognized for a number of excellent stories uh, that um, she has helped bring attention to and bring some justice to about um, issues of uh, racism and violence and inequality in in this region. Um, really wonderful um, voice to follow, and she uh, speaking. Frequently speaks on CBC Radio, and many of her uh, pieces are available or in expanded discussion form uh, as a CBC Radio uh, recording, which, um, with a little finagling, can be a podcast for you. Um, might already be. Uh, another major voice I want to point to that is uh, just a Twitter person, uh, people, is um, the Cocta Freeman. Um, that's Cocta, Cocta Freeman, C-O-C-H-T-A-W, Freeman. Um, which is an important activist group for, uh, based in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Five Nations region of America. Um, and they have been doing some fantastic outreach work and, and education work um, in the wake of, um, I want to reference the, the spectacular pop media success that was Watchmen and what it has done for the public conversation uh, about the uh, Tulsa massacres, uh, about the Greenwood massacres, um, and how it is actually changed public discourse and public education curriculum by being so successful while telling that story to such a wide audience. And um, so this is an important... That's, um, the, that's the, the recent Watchmen, right? Like the, yes, the, the HBO just, Watchmen yeah, yeah, series, okay. Um, okay, cool. uh, which I cannot sing the praises highly, of, highly enough of. Um, and uh, so uh, the Freemen are uh, the descendants of slaves who were owned by members of the five nations and so while black americans have very specific history with the american state and government and slavery and and everything since um and all those uh lingering fragments and incarceration um there is an entirely separate conversation to be had uh between a number of First Nations and the descendants of their slaves, 
of the African slaves who they purchased through the transatlantic slave trade. Um, and it is, um, it's an entire, it's, a, it's an important conversation about identity happening uh, between and amongst these, these uh, core communities in, in, uh, in the Americas that I think would be very easy to miss. Um, that explores a lot of um, a lot of lateral violences and a lot of the ways in which um, supremacist settler cultures can pit groups against each other through the the long systemic echoes, if not the individuals of choices, through the through these standards they set and then others have to buy into. Um, so that's a really important voice uh, that I would recommend looking into to tap into that conversation. Um, just a little, a little hint, yeah. a little hint for folks, because I'm, I'm trying to like follow along with some of this stuff and I wasn't typing it as fast as I can, but um, you can find, I, what I've noticed is that you can find Ryan on Twitter and then you can just follow the people he follows <laughs> because I've gone through and already, even though you're talking about other stuff, I'm like, oh man, there's some of these other like podcasts. So anyways, I'm just going to plug mm -hmm. your Twitter for a second. It's at Thank Ryan you. M. Karen. Uh, C-A-R-O-N. And uh, I, I think that that's a way that people can start too, is to just go through. So you have like a plethora of talk about being engaged in conversations with people that are saying something that's worth echoing and, and, and amplifying. Um, just, I think that it's I mean, my I personal reserve. <laughs> it's where right? I stash yeah, no, all the stuff I need to learn. It's fabulous. Um, okay. Maybe do you got like two more or I feel like you'll, cause you'll keep going. <laughs> I, got, I got five more, but I'll make it quick. Okay, okay, cool. Um, JP Bramer is another person on uh, Twitter who I highly recommend, but he is uh, best known as the advice writer of advice columnist Hola Papi, which has migrated across multiple internet uh, media forms of the dying age of new journalism, um, but is most recently a book, fantastic Mexican-American Mexican uh, gay perspective, and, an and my favorite advice column, easily my favorite advice column uh, currently in existence. Nice. Um, and uh, Anthony Oliveira, Oliveira, who um, is particularly relevant to us. Um, he is, I think he was like first famous as a quippy Twitter person to some degree, but um, he is a, um, a he ha uh, has a doctor of literature focusing on Paradise Lost and queer readings in Roman Catholic literature and history. And um, since finishing his PhD, he has turned that into a long-form podcast that um, I think you can subscribe to, that there's a Patreon for. That is a, like, longer than you could get into in a university class. It's like a multi-year university lecture building and wow. re-listenable, looking at Paradise Lost from a, from a contemporary queer lens. Um, and just, just nom, 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 the kind of overthinking <laughs> that i really love um but he's also marvel's go-to gay writer now um oh. which is so so wonderful um he was the writer of uh, a, a a landmark special um my drag brunch with loki which featured uh wiccan billy from wandavision all grown up um coexisting wonderfully with his beautiful happy boyfriend no drama and talking about life with gender fluid loki at drag brunch as a couple of queers with god tier power in the marvel universe amazing just, just fantastic 
Um, he, <laughs> following that, did some writing uh, with the Emperor, Emperor Hulkling. Um, I believe he's done an issue of Steven Universe where they go to a pride parade. Um, and most recently, he is writing for the character Bobby Drake, Iceman. Um, I've seen, what I've seen coming up next is um, a retrospective look at um, Bobby Drake being in the closet for the the history of Bobby Drake, which which is how it's been. This Iceman has been queer coded in many ways that go back to the original uh, comics and have been translated and retranslated and retranslated and are finally being openly um, explored in the current iteration of X Men. Um, and yeah, what's his uh, what's his name? Sorry, Anthony Oliveira. O l i v e r i a. Um, highly recommend um, his Twitter points you to all the cool stuff he's writing, if nothing else. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, uh, um, things I'm listening to that aren't podcasts, but I think which you might get something from in a cultural discourse. Jeremy Dutcher is a Wallastokiek uh, language revitalizationist and classical singer, doing amazing work in the Maritimes region uh, with um revitalizing and performing and arranging classical classical Wallastock and uh Mi'kmaq music with all of the bells and whistles of Euro tradition orchestration and vocalization, but rooted in rooted in that core um that that core um music and melody. Um not you know, I so often hear a like a big old mishmash of something specialized and an orchestra, and it can be kind of a hot mess. This is not that. This is a beautiful dialogue between art forms. Um, and Tanya Tagak, who is a wonderful activist, and uh, one of your best chances to hear uh, throat Inuit's throat singing in pop culture. The last thing I want to mention is um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna um, amplify what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, in that I, if people are ever interested in just l- listening to stuff outside of your regular genre, like all of this stuff is on Spotify. It's like so if good. you've ever thought about like just fi- like going down a rabbit hole of like people that are revitalizing um, languages that are are mm-hmm. not in the public discourse and these, these art, these, these musicians that are using their, their, their ancestral tongue to, to create this beautiful sort of music that, that really mm-hmm. speaks to like current pop culture undertones. It's yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah. And i never would have thought to do that. And, and Ryan just had this beautiful plethora of, of just songs I would have never heard of. And that are, that you can feel free listening to because it's not like anybody has really heard of it. Right. So it's, you're not supposed to necessarily understand what it is that they're saying, but just appreciating mm-hmm. that there is this like this language and this art that wouldn't otherwise get out there. And and I think that's so anyways, just for those yeah. two particular artists that you just said, I just uh, wanted to say it was it was really cool. I, I, I really, I really loved it in ways that I was not expecting. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just uh, carry on. What's your last one? <laughs> for, for outer context, we were on a road trip a while ago while now was right. on a, a yeah. big da- uh, Inuktitut dance music kick there's so much good contemporary um dance music that uses throat singing as rhythm quite frequently and just uh so neat anyway yeah um it's all there for you you can access it like never before fandom forward is uh an organization um formerly recently rebranded formerly known as the harry potter alliance 
for recently rebranded for obvious reasons because supporting jk rowling at this point just proves the bankability of transphobia so um this wonderful organization that's, that's that, awesome. that spun off from the um the harry potter fandom and community and especially the convention going community but also the the international and online community um to to create tangible opportunities for um for direct action activism um focusing often on issues literacy literature but also focusing uh, li literacy sorry uh, and access to books um through in their own communities focusing on local organizing but harnessing that um the networking power and enthusiasm and passion that we all bring to our fandom hobbies um to further those conversations into tangible community organizing and um, one of the one of the things they've created over the, over the years um, that I, I think can be invaluable in that is um, a set of toolkits that are um, a workbook, but about a show you like. So oh, cool. they'll have a Black Panther toolkit, and it will have conversation pieces, questions. Um, materials to talk to encourage conversation between you and your community and your friends about it, it has starting points and basic accessible context and literature and education for you to start digging further in uh in blank piece of media around the um the subjects that uh are most apparent and at most at the heart of that um that media piece um I, I pulling up a few examples. I know um, their uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender toolkit um, deals a gr explores a great deal um, of imperialism and post post colonialism uh, using using the language of Avatar and the language of Korra. Um, so these these um, there's a Night Vale one, a Steven Universe kit. Um, there's Wizards Democracy Kit. There's a Wonder Woman Voting Toolkit. Um, education Libraries. Basically, these are packages to um, to get you launched on some of these important conversations and to to help you start digging further. Um, and they're they're uh, they're all ages family friendly, which also means they are they provide accessible language and accessible basic on-ramps to the essential concepts, uh, regardless what level you're starting at. So that's something that I would certainly recommend checking out if you want to scratch the surface of, of this more. I believe you can download most of them for free on their website or social media. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm done talking about things I like. Uh, th I'm, I'm done talking yeah. about specific niche indie things I like in our big, <laughs> in our big, podcast all about talking about things we like i love it i, I you <laughs> talked for 20 minutes about things that you i just love i love getting just like really random recommendations um and then circling back around i mean i know the harry potter alliance i didn't know that they'd rebranded so that's really cool so thank Very you for sharing recent, that yes. ryan i appreciate you i appreciate you coming to the podcast to share all of your wisdom and insight and and being able to bounce stuff off of um as we go so um it's also neat people Thank you for letting me <laughs> info dump something. on y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, that's it. I think that we're, we've talked, we've talked your ear off all, all night. Um, I'm out of water. And 
I know. There you go. We need to hydrate, uh, as as everybody should. Uh, so so yeah, that's it. I um I'll uh, talk to you later. As I uh, mentioned, if you want to follow Ryan, you can uh, listen to him on Thunder. Um, sorry, Riverdale, Riverdale Gang Gang. podcast, and uh, follow him on Twitter for all that grand stuff. Thank you for coming to the Thunderquack podcast this it's week. A pleasure. And um, it's... everybody, I I just the Thunderquack group right now on the Patreon group, I guess. There is just fast and furious memes aplenty. And I think that we have teased people. I think when Mike is back, Mike had a grand old time at Fast 9. Um, and so it is still on our docket to, to chat about. And in the meantime, you can enjoy amazing. I've just, it's like the, like um, the Dom, like for family. And it's just permeating all of the MCU. And like, I think it started with like the crossover for like Jurassic Park. And anyways, you know, it's, it's funny. glorious. So it's reminding me that we should talk about it. I, I have read the argument and I think I broadly agree with that. Fast and the Furious has in fact done more to, um, create uh, market viability and options for diversity and representation in blockbuster film than any one of these Disney pieces that were coming wow. after the, 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 the mark. Um, uh, not, my, not my fandom, but just <laughs> as or significantly more important in furthering the conversation. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. So, um, yeah, Great. thanks for having me. And um, bye, bye for now, folks. Yeah. Um, stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands and be kind to one another. Follow the Thunderquack podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.